Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we have Sammy Ash, who is a composer, producer, songwriter, and co-founder and executive director of the Ash Academy. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Ever since you had me on your show, I wanted to have you on. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I'm, I always tell everyone, I'm available to be on your show, and no one, <laughs> so people started slowly getting there, like, oh, yeah, come on the show. I do themes. So I have to wait till someone fits the theme. I'm glad we're aligned. We're aligned. Yes, then. yes, because you you write music and that's more aligned because music I find comes from the soul. It's like you have Absolutely. to feel it within you to write it, to sing it, to play an instrument with it. You wrote a song called Enemy by Phoenicia Fabrer. Did I say that right? Phoenicia Fabrer. I knew I was going to get her first name wrong, Vanessa Fabrer, which is a beautiful song. Would you like to read the lyrics for us? Absolutely. All right. This is my spoken word voice. So they say, love your enemy, but who's the enemy? Because when another one bites the dust, he looks just like me. Chalk this one up to coincidence. Ignore the fact that every instance is all the same, all the same. Are we conditioned to take the blame? Like we're in the wrong place, wrong time. Can't run, can't hide. Must be a crime to be, to be. You don't have all the answers, they say. Stop jumping to conclusions. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Feed into our illusions. You disregard the fall from grace and all of your confusion. They're going to let you down someday, but don't come running to me when you're in the wrong place, wrong time. Can't run, can't hide. Must be a crime to be, to be free, to live, to love, to laugh, to get a second chance. Some never get a chance, and it's just not fair whole life ahead of them snatched away with a bang 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 all because he was in the wrong place wrong time can't run can't hide it must be a crime to be to be oh i love that it's beautiful and i Thank can you. visualize it while you're saying it too here's the recording of enemy They say love
Love the recording of the song. Can you tell me how you came upon writing about the subject? Did you see something or did you feel something? What was going on at the time when you wrote it? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I hope people... <laughs> I was holding back up, so I was trying to read it and not sing it, one. Two, I'm like taken back to like where it all started because I wrote a whole mixtape about all of these emotions during 2014. Um, after uh, Mike Brown was murdered, I started feeling very, I don't want to say paranoid, but very anxious. I, I had a lot of stress around that whole situation. So I kind of put it in a song someone tweeted out love your enemy like during this whole time mm -hmm. um you know the details of the situation so i don't need to give any parties but you you know who was involved and like who is projected as the enemy and i'm like well who is the enemy in this situation that we're supposed to be loving if if the enemy always looks like me why am i the enemy in the situation so yeah it kind of just sprung out from there and I, I sang the demo. I always say sometimes singer. So I'm glad that wasn't in my intro as a singer because <laughs> I, I, I do uh, demos and, uh, you know, my passion has been to give other artists these songs. And Finesse Fabre was working on her third album, Machina, which, you know, shout out to me. I, I collaborated with her on the title of the album. She might not want people to know that, but yes. I... Now they know. <laughs> now they know. These are behind the scenes details. <laughs> but no, she was working on this album and um, I shared a couple songs with her that ended up being on the album. Um, and if you listen to the both of these songs, uh, so Enemy and Just Barely, and me telling you like, kind of like the backstory of me being very anxious and just not well during this time, you can kind of see someone was not in a good place uh, uh, just by the lyrics of both of those songs. Um, and then I eventually got sick the following year 11 days in the hospital I chalk oh, it up to yeah I chalk it up to a lot of like the stress surrounding and like putting a whole bunch of emotions into like this this vibe and this vein of just being unsettled and yeah I'm happy that I have like relics of the time and I can look back at them mm -hmm. it was it was not the best time 2015 was a terrible year for me but um yeah yeah but this song I, I feel like it's one of the best songs I have written the way it flows uh, together, just the way the, the choruses kind of grow into each other. I'm, I'm very proud of this work. The song is really lovely. I just love the way she sang it. And every time she goes to me, to, uh, no, to be, to be, I kept saying to be, to, to be me. I wanted to say to be me. <laughs> you know? So I, when you talk about who's the enemy, is it the perceptions of what other people think is the enemy? or is it because it's the perception? Okay, so tell me about the perception. Absolutely. So there's two parties. There's either the assailant or the victim. Mm -hmm. And in both situations, they are the enemy. So one who is murdering someone, like, okay, they would be posed as the bad person. But in other instances, they are the good guy because they got rid of the enemy. Sort of, sort of like a twofold thing. So on, on mm -hmm. each side of the coin, they are the victor in the light. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, if in this situation, if someone who looks like me is murdered mm -hmm. and we're thought to be the enemy, like why? That's, that's kind of where that came from. Like why, why am I even in a position to be the enemy? Exactly. I really feel biases comes into so much play and God forbid someone had a bad experience. And then now it's a blanket statement that all people 
that are either poor, or rich, or different, or different religion, mm-hmm. or different color. Now it's all that person's fault. Absolutely. And it's not. Exactly. It doesn't, I don't think it has anything to do with just being different. Absolutely. When you said wrong place, wrong time, can't run, can't hide, actually just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or because you're at home, because sometimes you're at home and stuff happens to you, or you're in your own neighborhood and something happens to you. I mean, that's an incredible point, Sodia. My goodness, like it doesn't matter where or when it happens. It could just be a situation of wrong place, wrong time. Uh, There's so many stories uh, throughout the years of like things that should, like there's no real like reason why this happened where someone ends up dead at the end of, at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a random uh they're randomly pulled over or they're just walking through their own neighborhood in various instances it's it's there's really no rhyme or reason why these things are happening other than biases and what whatnot and systemic mm-hmm. reasons yeah and then when you kind of bring in my own identity into this being a token uh living in the suburbs still feeling this uh vicarious trauma like obviously we don't have the same exact upbringing or life but I still feel a certain way in my own miles away, thousands of miles away, still feel and recognize um, that that easily could be me still. Like, I don't care how many degrees I have or how well I speak or what I sound like to people, their Mm -hmm. perception of me, this easily could just be myself in that situation. So that's really like the coincidence and that's, that's exactly what it is in the wrong place, wrong time. Absolutely. Like, I could walk outside after this interview and it could be something that goes on that I I just walk into. So And it says here, you don't have all the answers. They say, stop jumping to conclusions. Who are you referring to? The royal they. (laughs) So there's there's a lot of dualities on this where it's like anyone who is on the outside looking in can jump to a conclusion and say like it's all their fault the other like the other party like the the enemy's fault or the the good guy's fault like they they're or like who's perceived as uh, who the good guys are like more often than not whenever these stories come out there's always like oh let's wait for all the like the facts like don't jump to conclusions guys like you don't know everything yet and like at a certain point I feel like there's there's too much waiting for like what's clearly in front of our eyes. Like we already know people have already set up their own biases where they will act and respond to certain parties a certain way, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is why we see more often than not these outcomes. Um, so that that's exactly where I was coming from with jumping to conclusions because it happens just about every time. I like the line feed into our illusions. Because it's true, mm-hmm. which illusions can be our perceptions, our biases, our experiences, even. Sometimes you can experience a bad thing with anybody. Absolutely. To get a second chance, some never get a chance. I mean, I know that's about dying. How do you feel in general about getting second chances? I wrote these lyrics and I'm getting a little emotional uh, just reviewing them, but like, I sort of like in the vein uh kind of looking back at it because this is written before I got sick I definitely think of like the year after as a second chance like this was released during my sickness year Mm -hmm. but like I definitely feel like someone who has been given a second chance and like someone who has been able to do so many great things in my 
short life. I'm 33 at the time of this recording, but like, I'm very blessed. I'm very privileged. I will own every bit of it. I've been able to try the music was after I got a film degree. I was like, I want to try a different art. Let me, <laughs> let me go ahead and, and spend all this money investing in a studio time. And like, yeah, I did all of that, but I'm very blessed. And I'm in a great position where I can try all these things and no one bats an eye when I'm like, I wrote a whole album. I have multiple albums on my computer that I'm, I'm singing on. Everybody's like, okay, but not everybody has all of those privileges and those let alone a second chance. Like, what about a, like, just a chance? Like, how are, are you in this world regarded well enough that people accept when you say you want to do something that it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Speaking from myself is every chance I've ever had is because I made that chance. You know, one of the things I told my sister was, I wish I had a mentor. I've mm. never had a mentor. And I think they're so important. That's why I've been a mentor to quite a few people because I didn't have one and I know how badly they're needed. Absolutely. I don't want to jump the gun, but that's exactly why I started uh, the Ash Academy to kind of meet all of those parts that I'm like, okay, with all the privileges and how blessed I have been, my life could still be way different or way better. Let's, let's put a better on it. Mm -hmm. If I had some guidance in certain areas and just certain, certain other like financial opportunities that would just be natural to someone that had a mentor, like, Oh, Hey, I have a job opportunity for you. Like I can help you figure out whatever you're missing there. Like if I had that earlier on, I would be in a completely different space. Now, nothing for my journey now though. Like I had to go through all of that to get to the point where I started my own organization and kind of meet all these needs for other people because I feel like there are certain things like uh, wealth, extreme wealth, are not bestowed upon me because the Lord already knows what, what I would do with it. I would just indulge and <laughs> nobody gets the... So if I get to a point where I can appreciate it and then share it, then he's like, okay, you... So I'm just waiting on uh, the pending check for... Like, because I'm in a great place. I, I will definitely be sharing it with people if I <laughs> if I won the lotto tomorrow. <laughs> it's going around. <laughs> exactly. Now, before we keep going on that, I just want to finish a song. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what I said. If I jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm definitely interested in that because I have a lot to I have a lot to say on that one, too. Awesome. I love the line whole life ahead of them snatched away with a bang, bang, bang. Now, the reason I want to refer to that, I'm a bit older than you. I came from Chicago. And at that time, yes, there were guns. People used guns on themselves, but there were a lot of knife fights. That mm. was like a badge of honor to have a knife fight. And oh knife gosh. fights, you end up kind of, you have a better chance with a gun than you do a knife fight. <laughs> so that's what it, it reminded me of being in an area because I was in a gang area for a little bit, but that's too long of a story to get into that one. I do, let's finish it off with Wrong place, wrong time, can't run, can't hide. It must be a crime to be, to be. So do you really, because I kept saying to be, to be me. I saw it that way. Why did you just put it with to be, to be? Well, when it gets to the last chorus or maybe second to last, uh, to be free is actually like to, it must be a crime to be free. Definitely uh, within the history of this country, uh, especially for a country tooted as like, Liberty is like one of the main like marketing pieces and 
freedom uh, is one of our, you know, staples that we love to reference. I, I feel like many times in these situations where it's like, if someone's just walking in their neighborhood, why did it come to this? Like freedom feels like a crime at this point. If like, I'm the enemy, it's a coincidence. I don't have all the answers. I'm jumping to conclusions. Like, okay, like all just like freedom just feels like a crime at this point. Like for me, like all the things that I have drawn up as that, but specifically bang, 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 I will have to shout out Tracy Chapman. I went to undergrad during 2006 and 2010. Mm -hmm. My dad is one of the like greatest references to eclectic music. He has just about anybody's genre of music, but let's just say that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I grabbed some of his CDs and I love Tracy Chapman, uh, Fast Cars, one of my yes. favorite songs of all time. Um, so I'm like getting into her like later albums and one of those albums, it might be Matters of the Heart is the title of the album. But yeah, there's, I think like the first or second song is something in reference to like bang, bang, bang. What you gonna do, give a boy a gun is kind of the lyrics in that one. So that that's kind of a little like a nod to her. One, one of my favorite songwriters and singers of all time. I love her music. I Absolutely. love her style. Mm -hmm. I love folk music and I really like what she did with it. I really like folk music. It's one of my favorite things to sing, perform, actually. Awesome. It's more soulful. It's almost like a poet talking and she's so poetic. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm an undergrad listening to like a, I want to say a 15 plus year old album. Like it's new. Like I'm, I'm sitting there on, I was in New York, I was on the train. I'm like, this is a great album. No one knows that I'm listening to something from like 93, so. So now we're, let's go back to the Ash Academy because we were talking about mentorship. I had mentioned that I wish I had a mentor because it makes a huge difference. I mean, I was very good in school and I went to school, but I just wanted someone to guide me. I mean, there were so many questions I had and there was nobody to answer them. It, you either had your teachers or that's it. Yeah the home you had your teachers and that's why i think teachers are so important and they're just not giving enough enough credit but wow, i think that i think the parents are appreciating them now that they, they had their kids for <laughs> at home for a year <laughs> yes that school at home during the pandemic uh opened a lot of eyes i will definitely because i have some friends with kids and just uh connecting with the parents for the academy like i they're like, okay, we, we, we didn't sign up for this. <laughs> That's, it's hard. It it's lightly. hard work. <laughs> I mean, I could, I have to, kudos to teachers. I do not want to be in a classroom with a bunch of kids. I love kids. <laughs> if I had to go in and give like a talk or something like that, perfect. But to do that job every day, kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. is not an easy job. Absolutely. And especially when you're a good teacher, because I remember my good teachers in school. I remember their names still. I remember mm -hmm. my grade school teachers, but I don't remember my high school and my college. <laughs> I just, there was my second grade teacher who put me in speech class because English as a second language did not exist. Mm -hmm. There was only speech classes. And I learned how to speak English. I knew how to read and write it because I was born and raised in Chicago, but I didn't know how to speak it. Yeah, my first grade teacher was from hell. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> she was so cruel. She punished me just because I didn't know how to speak English. And I would do my oh, homework. No. And Oh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. 
And I'm so glad that they came because, you know, English is a second language. People think it's only for Spanish people, but it's for everybody who mm -hmm. doesn't speak English. Yeah. There are people from all over the world that take that course. And I think it's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you mentor people? Um, I meet people where they are. I definitely one of my gifts has been to see talents in people. So I, that's how I start my sessions. Like, hey, like, what do you want to be doing? Like, I don't know if everyone gets that question asked of them. Mm -hmm. And like, really, like, what's your dream job? But like, what is your, what is the stratosphere? What does that look like? What does the world for you need to look like for you to be happy? Let's spend some time there because many times it's like, get a job. You got a degree. Let's get a job. It's okay. I've been there. I've I've had to get these internships or these jobs along the way that may not have fed me. Um, now I had lessons all the way through, but like nobody was really there to say like, okay, if this is a stepping stone, all right, like collect all these lessons that you're going to learn here and then use them to move on. Definitely didn't have that. So I want to be anything that was missing for me. And now I don't want to stop people from failing though. That's a major thing. Like you still need to fall down. You still need to skin your knee. You still need to get sick. Let's not say that during a pandemic, but like you still you still need to challenge your immune system so that you can fight bigger battles because of the failures that happen. So I don't want to stop like, OK, let's give people all the money in the world and all the opportunities so that they mm -hmm. just have everything. That is not where I'm coming from. But if they can fail fewer times than I did, that's where I'm at. That's I'm like, OK. I, I'm not going to tell you not to do something. I was like, well, I have done that. I have been there. I wouldn't do it again, <laughs> but go for it. Do yeah. it. Please do it. But I wouldn't, I would not do it again. I just, I literally, that's, that's how I mentor people, figuring out what they want to do, how to get them there. And then giving all of the wisdom that I've collected along the way. Although I don't have all the answers, I know people who have other answers that I'm missing. That's kind of what I do. I, I connect people. So how, what's the age together. range? Because if you're helping people get jobs, what age range do you work with? These are usually college students. Um, so whether it's um, high school going into college for that freshman year mm -hmm. or they're graduating. So they're heading into their professional careers, uh, either entry level or more developed than entry at kind of that, that mid uh, level. Um, I've done career development for people who are well into their careers and they're just trying to figure out a pivot because I've been there. I, I got my master's, say, 27. So I had already been through an, a nonprofit career for many years and then switched reels. I'm like, I want to go into marketing. That's kind of for the last uh, five years. That's where I've been in multiple different industries. So I'm like, you can throw anything my way. I'm going to figure it out. That's that's yeah. that, that's how it's going to be. So yeah. And then music happened in the middle of there and it's still going on. I'm still writing. I'm still writing. You have to follow your passions. Now, when you talk to these students, is their career path chosen by them or by their family? Because sometimes you go a career path and you do it because the family wants you to do it. Or if they're all doctors and you have to be a doctor too. So how do you help someone that comes to you and yet they have a degree, but they're not happy with it. Do you help people pivot? That's why those questions are really like, what do you want? Because mm -hmm. your undergraduate degree, my, mine is in film. I still put it as I am a filmmaker. I could still content create. I could still, I still edit for, for my day job. Mm -hmm. But it's like your undergrad degree that you decide at 18 years old is not the rest of your life. Let's, let's get rid of that whole idea where like, okay, I, 
I spent my whole life going towards this one degree and this is all I could do for the rest of my life. No, that's not the case at all. And don't fall into that trap. One, two, when you find these things out about like where their passions really lie, I can help them figure out within the industry that they may have gotten a degree in that, Mm -hmm. okay, you don't have to leave that industry. You might just be doing something different within it. It's like, I really love talking to people. I really love asking them questions. So they're like, okay, well, your degree might be in psychology. You don't want to be a psychiatrist. You don't want to be a doctor in that. Maybe you are going to transition into journalism. You're going to figure out a way to go and talk to people and actually like you're you're doing something similar. You might be, I don't want to say the next Oprah, but you want to do something in the vein of what Oprah does. Let's get Mm -hmm. there. Let's figure those stepping stones out. Maybe not billionaire status and not shooting for that, but you want to create connections with people on video. You can do that. That's simple. You have a phone. Let's press record and start asking people stuff. Exactly. So uh, demo. There we because go. Because you can do it. Something like journalism or even news reporting, mm-hmm. where you learned about the psychology of people, you have a lot of information you can put in. Absolutely. Understand what people might be going through. It's something that you can see through what they might be feeling or acting or just a circumstance, just understanding it better. Absolutely. And going back to the doctor situation. I am talking to someone who is still up in the, in the air, whether they want to go to med school. And I'm like, the reasons why you want to go should outweigh the cost and how difficult the program might be. Because the payoff is if you really want to impact people's lives and save their lives, I'm going to move mountains to make sure that happens because you have to have a passion for that. That's not something that it's like, okay, I want to save lives, maybe. Like, no, if that's been placed on your spirit to save lives, we need to make sure that happens. Someone's yeah. going to need you. Someone needs you for that. So, and m- multiple people. Let me, let me get off of this soapbox though. Because <laughs> it's hard work. Whatever, Absolutely. I mean, to be a doctor is a lot of hard work. It's not an easy job. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of hours of your time putting into it. I know some doctors that have retired and they go, we're just so tired. (laughs) Absolutely. And I don't know. I think our education system needs to change because there are certain degrees that don't need to be a college degree. I mean, it's nice to get the initials after your name if that's what you want to have. But if you want to learn photography, you could go to an art school and learn that or you could learn it on your own. Because no matter how good a school is, If you don't have it within you to continue it or be innovative with it, it doesn't make a difference. But there are careers like doctor, engineers, architects, and all of that. They have to, they have to go to school. I wouldn't trust one of those without going to school. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in a very weird space where I kind of want to like be completely open to the alternative routes to education like everything's going to boil down to you having to learn something Mm -hmm. like regardless of what field you're going into there's on the work training that's going to happen so I'm never going to be anti-education to the point where it's like don't get that degree but I definitely oh, I'm not anti-education at all because it has absolutely it has especially college you learn a lot of social skills when you go to school even as a child 
as in high school and in college, you learn social skills. And when you're in college, you learn not only social skills, but also almost business as to what is required of you when you go into a, a company. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not putting it down. I think, you know, I'm happy I got my BA. I was, yeah, I was saying that all to say the return on your investment, that's something that I also want students to know about. Like, if I'm going to spend all of this money on a degree, I need to see some money back on it because I'm investing in my, I'm investing in my, my future. Like where, where is this? So I'm like, okay, if I can be covering some of these expenses with some scholarships, if I can give them access to all the other, cause we won't be able to cover every student. Like, let's just, let's call it thick and thick. We don't, we won't be able to do that. The goal is that it's like, okay, we have covered that. Uh, that's the vision at the end of the day, but I want to make sure that all this debt that's happening, let's let's knock that back a little bit, please. Because I, I don't want anyone to say that they regret getting that degree, even if they had all these social experiences that were great and you still have all this debt. Like that's no way to live to have that just looming over your head. Uh, and that's real then that's really something that just needs to change. Like it's it pays us nothing if we owe somebody for the rest of our life. That's by my experience, even though I had a great major, which was ethnomusicology, which is cultural anthropology basically through music, I thought that I wanted to teach at a university level. Mm-hmm. But I was so burnt out. They asked me, I went to UCLA. They go, you know, you would get a fellowship if you wanted to come back. I go, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I cannot do any more school because, and I really shouldn't let them know this. I lied to them and told them I was only working 10 hours a week because I was a non-traditional student. I went back to school because I wanted a degree. I wanted, I wanted a degree because it made me feel like I was smarter, even though I'm still doing the same thing I was doing before. Do I regret getting educated? No, but I regret getting in debt to get educated. I'm not using my degree at all. You know, it was nice to have it. It was great information. I enjoyed it, but I'm not using it at all. I got so burnt out and how I lied to them was I said I was only working 10 hours where I was really working 20 to 25 hours a week to pay my bills because what I was getting in grant scholarships and mainly loans, which is what I owe back, is just didn't cover it. I had a great landlady who I never got my money for three months. She let me stay in my apartment for three months without rent. Oh wow! Finally got my money. I paid her right away. I was a tenant for a long time and she actually took faith in me and did that. And I, I really appreciate her what she did. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy at at all. And, and I just want all the students out there, prospective students to know, like, this is literally an investment choice and you have to figure out whether or not whatever degree or whatever path you're going to go in. And you have to also define what that return on investment. So like me getting my master's in business was incredibly useful for me already having sort of a an unofficial business acumen. So when I was in the film industry, I was managing all these sets myself, mm-hmm. hiring all of this stuff, paying at the end. Uh, shout out to when I was paying people eventually. I, I'm so happy that I wasn't just for exposure and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but still like that takes a business mind. That's You cannot do all this hiring and stuff without having that. So I'm like, well, when I applied for business school, I was like, I have been doing this 
casually and unofficially, but I kind of want to get a formal background in it. So do not regret that part of it. But the mm-hmm. net, the what Sally Mae is asking for, do not love that number. Do not at no, all. No, <laughs> no. It's, it's like, I really feel like I'll probably die before that's paid <laughs> off. <laughs> and what I'm saying also is don't pick a career just because you think it's going to make you money because it's going to make you oh, miserable yes. first. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Don't I, go Ooh. Yeah, let, let me give you an example of myself. <laughs> Please, right? Sonia, come on. I was I was born and raised in Chicago. We were poor. We were the working poor. I swore I was not going to be poor. So my drive became money. I know I'm good at managing people, so I climbed the ladder to be director of administration. I was at my job and it's a salary job. 50, 60 hours a week. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I was making the money, but I didn't have the the time to enjoy it. Yeah. And then I would, you know, I felt so deprived. I spent every penny of it trying to feel better. So I calculated how many hours I worked and what my time was worth and how unhappy I was. And I said, you know, I could work a 30 hour job. It pays my bills. And I don't have to be miserable. The hard part for me was letting go of the title. Mm. And that because I finally accomplished something like a title, but I was miserable. And after a while, I said, you know, I don't give a damn about the title. I just don't care. And I had my own business for a while. FYI, people, if you go into your own business, you it's tiring too, is how many hours do you want to work a day to develop that business in the beginning until you can hire people. Definitely have gone through that with consulting on the side of my day job and having the Ash Academy going. But like the going into business for yourself, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Like it is not all uh, flowers and roses over here. (laughs) You have to do everything yourself uh, until you can hire people. And even when you hire people, you have to train them. So these are, (laughs) it's just like, it's never going to be this like sugary sweet situation uh, no matter where you go. So I also want to brace people for that. Like, hey, go into business for yourself. It's not easy either. And here, here are my lessons I learned along the way. Just so people know and they're not just out here struggling and like, okay, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, I, I don't want anyone to feel that way. Well, well the thing I found if you're going to go into business by yourself, Please do an accounting class on how to run a business. I have seen people that are excellent at what they do, and then they forget to bill you, or they bill you twice, or they, you know, they don't have basic skills on accounting. And the reason you're working so hard is so you could get paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you get into business, learn accounting you got to be able to collect your value. You're, you're preaching, Sonia. The listeners need this information. Same thing with contracts. Please expose yourself to what a contract is, why it's important. I would definitely speak to legal counsel if you can to get that, but not everybody can afford the retainer no, you for get, that. And you could get free. Yes. So please seek it out. <laughs> There are certain organizations that that's what they do. Mm -hmm. They will give you advice. I pay my attorney because 
I was going to sign a contract with a management company because I'm an actor also. And then he looked at it and he goes, and I looked at it too. I go, something doesn't seem right in this, but I better get an attorney to look at it. And he looked at it and goes, are they kidding? (laughs) (laughs) I go, I know it didn't sound right, but I don't know the legal. He goes, they want you to sign something that even if you leave them, you still owe them that percentage on whatever you go and do for the rest of your life. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to even put out a contract like that. And it might not say in layman's terms for the rest of your life, but it'll say some type of Latin version of that. And you're like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) That's why I paid him. I go look at it because in the long run, he saved, he saved me really by looking through it and saying, are they crazy? (laughs) He cracked me up because he said, I can't, I've never seen such a bad contract before. (laughs) The thing with people that they don't understand is that because a manager and agent gives you a contract doesn't mean that you cannot go back and forth on it. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to walk away because you don't want to give away your life. So get an attorney, get help. Sonia, someone out there is going to listen to this and say, wait a minute. I'm I'm right with my renewal <laughs> and they're going to say, I don't like that number. And they're going to figure out a way to negotiate it. Yeah. You have to be able to negotiate. If someone you're doing business with doesn't want to negotiate, then maybe they're not right for you. And you have to be able to walk away mm-hmm. because the first thing you have to know is what is your value. Absolutely. In Ash Academy, do you talk to people about their value and all that? Well, absolutely. Uh, I feel like Every conversation I have is really trying to get down to the heart of the matter for people. And Mm -hmm. like, you're more than an employee, you're more than a business owner at the end of the day, like your career, I I love to help people figure that out. But like, what you really want is really how you define what your value is. And that matters most at all times. So as you were mentioning, like, I had to leave these certain jobs where it was just not, it was not serving me. It was not paying me what I was worth. At, at the, if I'm working 80 hours a week, it, like you do the calculation, that's, that's not a lifetime. I'm, I'm working the whole <laughs> duration of my life. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, getting to the heart of the matter is really where I start there and kind of build from there. And it's a constant check-in with people because how you see yourself one day and a few years later, you, you're like, my, you know, my, my stock has gone up. Let me, let me re-evaluate uh, this. And exactly. uh, I go through that myself with my own day jobs. And uh, my coworkers with each uh, phase of my life get a really, uh, you know, emotional when I have to move on. But I'm like, guys, um, <laughs> that's the point. Like, I want you guys to have the same situation too. Like you're progressing in your career and you move on or relationships. If it's no longer serving you, no matter what kind of relationship it is, it's time to move on. It's okay to move on. Yes. And, and that's really how you acknowledge your value. Like, okay, I, at, at this juncture... I have to move on to respect myself and and how I value myself. It's a harder transition when you have children or a family to take care of, but you can inch your way. You know, some people think if I don't do it all today, I'm not doing it at all. No, you can't. It's not an all or nothing. While you inch your way into that new life, there's a lot of learning lessons that you're going to have. You'll eventually make money at a passion. If it's a passion, you would do it regardless if you were getting paid or not. Now, I'm not saying that's going to replace your regular job because you have to pay bills. When I had a full-time job, I would come home and write or 
I'd wake up earlier and write something. You know, I would work on something that gave me joy because that's really important. What, what can you do for an hour a day that can give you joy? If you have a joy or you have a passion, take a couple minutes out of your day and do it because you, you have value. You're in this world to have an input on your life and the life of others. I really feel Absolutely. our soul is here to learn. So let it learn, let it experience. Be smart about it, but let it experience. That, that's such a process though, I will say. I, I love that and I, I, I understand that now. I completely mm -hmm. agree, touch and agree uh, <laughs> on that. But it took me so long feeling stuck in these like jobs that were meant to teach me a lesson or something that some obstacle that I needed to get over for myself. And I look back, I'm like, okay, you weren't ready yet because you didn't want to talk to people on the phone at this job. Okay, mm -hmm. next job, you weren't completely comfortable giving presentations yet, like completely, com like really comfortable. As soon as you got there, then you were ready to move on. Now you're like a good leader and doesn't matter what room you're in, who you're talking to, you talk to them like that we're all on the same level. Me seeing all these moments that I'm, okay, well, like I knew I was there for two years, two and a half years for that reason, because I was not there yet. When you get there and you're like, okay, I met people at this job that ended up making connections there and everything. It's okay. <laughs> it's difficult on the day to day or like the second by second where you're just like, mm -hmm. I'm not where I need to be yet. If I had just taken a moment to just breathe <laughs> so many moments there. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I'm a very impatient person anyway, though. So it kind of goes back to me being sick and like any day could be it. I know it's a little bit <laughs> morbid. Well, it, made, it gave you an appreciation for life. Though. <laughs> Absolutely. I wake up, I'm elated to be here. I'm so excited to be here to make a difference or just exist. Let me, let me not always make a difference every single waking moment. Like, let me just breathe for a moment too. But no, I'm excited to be here. And that has fed into like, okay, why not today? I don't know how much time I have left, but at least while I am here, let me make a positive change that at least some of my words of wisdom through the trials and tribulations, hopefully it touches people and then they can, you know, do the same. I'm hoping that people take my information and they share it as well. That's, that's all. I well, want. And look at it because you're 33 years old. Mm -hmm. There are people that are in their sixties and they still haven't gotten there. They worked their whole life at a place they hated because they had a family. They never really found themselves. They thought that that was just life. That's the way life mm -hmm. is. And it's sad because a lot of people do think that's just what life is. You come home, you be with the family. You have to find joy. I mean, family can be joyful and not. I, I love my family. I'm very family oriented, but you know, sometimes that happens. You need and a I break. <laughs> you need a break. And I asked myself, why did I have so many different jobs? Mm. And I think it's because I needed to learn about people. And I needed to learn about people in different facets of life. And by me learning about them, it taught me about me. Absolutely. I mean, figuring out your purpose and your why, life-changing for me. I will just say, yeah. like, as soon as you know those things, then you're seeing like a whole new dimension of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've articulated my purpose as helping other people figure out their purpose. 
definitely doing the right line of work where I'm just like, okay, let's figure this thing out together. And that serves me. And then my why is I, at all times, I have to be helping people. If that's not happening, I cannot be there. <laughs> so I will leave. Is it, <laughs> does it give you joy or do you feel that you have to because it's it so serves me to make sure that i am making sure that other people are okay i don't know if it's a codependency thing let's get a therapist on the line for that but uh if that's not happening i i find myself in miserable being toxic at, in these work environments if these mentorship and like leadership i guess you know elements aren't present i just can't do it like i, I don't know what's yeah. going like it's just like this is literally what I've been put here for. So like you not letting me do that. Can't, I can't, <laughs> just, uh, it's a lot to ask though. <laughs> well, it is a lot from the, the energy perspective of who we are as people, because it does take a lot of energy to deal with different personalities, to deal with logistics and to deal with the nature of what's happening around us. It's a lot of a draining energy, but I totally understand because that's why I started my podcast, but there's a drive. And I find that you have that drive. When you started the Ash Academy, did you know that there were going to be all these little steps that you had to take care of and things that you had to do? Or did you set up a business plan before you actually did the Ash Academy? The, and this was a long, deep breath uh, before I answer. Uh, the Ash Academy has been an ever-evolving and beautiful you know, orb of things that have grown and changed into things that I did not imagine. Actually, it was a very elitist <laughs> idea. I was like, we're going to have the best of the best. And it's going to be education-based. And it's like... Um, we don't need more of that. Like if somebody already has the access to that, I don't think that's where like, I'm really needed. I'm needed in areas where people are underserved, disadvantaged, don't have the exposure to things. I really had to take a step back and it's been the, nearly four years now. I bothered my sisters late at night. I was like, we're going to start a, a foundation. They're like, okay. <laughs> I was like, yes, we're going to start a foundation. Uh, my background in nonprofit will have, be uh, slightly unrelated. I was working with adults with disabilities. So still mm -hmm. somewhat education-based uh, for like work training. But still, I was like, we're just, we're going to do this thing. And it has grown into avenues of parental engagement wasn't a part of the original idea. But it's so important for me for the parents to know just as much as what the students are going through. And to explore all these uh, career, like we've been talking about our own career trajectory and changes. Some of these parents don't have the, I guess, agency for themselves. So like, hey, I can change careers too. I can go into tech. I can mm -hmm. go into science. And it's like, yeah, it's not too late. During these last three and a half years, it's been a lot of learning. And I guess I didn't care what challenges were coming. I know I have this passion I have endless energy to make sure that I'm making an impact within mm -hmm. my, my greater community. There were definitely some moments where I'm like, all I want to do is give back. Why aren't, why aren't the people receiving it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't that weird? Are they like suspicious? Why are you giving me this? Just like, just <laughs> take it. Just take the thing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's been a great, the greatest challenge has been finding the people just being strategic, but the strategy is something that's innate for me. So, hey, if I'm not reaching it 
or I'm not getting the the best answers. I need to ask better questions. That's just, you know, we we change and we figure out um, and we walk around the obstacles or we jump over them or we fall into the obstacles and get real dirty and we come out swinging. That's how I've had to do it. That's that's what my spirit does. Come, it comes out swinging for the fences, uh, no matter what. Funny how when we work in service for others, we'll fight for that. And half the time we don't fight for ourselves. We're like, ah, we could deal with it. Uh, absolutely. And that's why I was like talking about my coworkers when they're like, so like when I'm like, I got to move on. All of this great wisdom I'm trying to share with people, I have to listen to myself. It's something that I've been on a campaign right now with doubt. That's mm-hmm. been a huge thing, like engaging your doubt, talking mm-hmm. back to it. Whenever you're telling yourself, conscience is trying to talk you out of something, mm-hmm. you're like, talk back. It's like, you're not good enough for this. Why not? Why, why am I not good enough? Please exactly. do, do tell. Please tell me why I'm not good enough to start an organization of my own. Okay. You have nothing to say, so we're going to start it anyway. <laughs> Questioning those thoughts. Could you imagine? I mean, we, we bombard ourselves with negativity. Like I've talked to some people and they go, oh, I wish I could have done this. I go, why can't you? And then they look at them like, yeah, why can't I? Thank you. Of course you can. You can do anything you dream. Go for it. Don't let anyone stop you. As long as you're not hurting people, killing people. There we go. (laughs) Not hurting society, but advancing yourself. Follow your dream because there's somewhere in your soul that's telling you to go for it. And you just need that mentoring to push you to do it. Absolutely. The literal most rewarding part is an email after I've held an event, done a mentoring session when someone says, thank you for being there. Thank you for what you shared with me. I'm like, this is what it's all for. Like it clicked for someone. Mm -hmm. And if it clicks for them, then they're going to be a different person in their life for the people around them. And it goes from there exponentially. So it's a very quiet moment that's really like great for me. The faith of a mustard seed. Okay, that little email just changed the world. That's really where I'm at. I'm like, okay. And I'll, I'll literally be just reading an email on my phone, like getting emotional. It's like, okay, this is great. Uh, and I'll tell some people, it's like, oh, look at this email. <laughs> They're like, okay, Sammy, like relax. <laughs> but it's validation that all this hard work you're doing is actually appreciated because absolutely you know even us who like to be mentors who like to help people you want to be validated too and how beautiful i'm not looking for validation from big people i'm it's for those that i actually extend a hand to Mm -hmm. just even a thank you because i extended a hand to you oh for those of you that really need mentors and have gotten mentoring say thank you absolutely Send those little thank you cards. I'm talking to myself, though. I'm terrible at thank you cards. <laughs> I'm oh, great with an you? email, but yeah, to, to write the thank you card and, and mail it out. Uh, that's so I was like, oh, the thought counts really on that one. <laughs> well, if you like this, I do those e-cards. I will take that on. Yes. What are your future plans for the Ash Academy and yourself? What do you plan on doing, let's say, till the end of this year? Any events? So the immediate plan is last year uh, through the pandemic, uh, although the first event that we held in person in February was right before the pandemic shut us down. So we're like, okay, what are we going to do? We can't just sit on all these resources and just do nothing. So not only did we start a podcast, but we started doing all these virtual events. So now Mm. that things are opening back up, no one wants to be on Zoom. I understand. Okay, fine. So we're coming back to the outside, uh, but I've changed 
due to the fact that Zoom gave us access to everybody across the nation, uh, I've changed some things. We are doing an in-person supply drive. That will be great to give back through K through 12 and college students. We're partnering. Supply with, drive, all kind of supplies. So school supplies, all, all the, school supplies. Yes, all the good stuff that you, the, the pens, pencils, notebooks, all that good stuff. We're handing it out. We're partnering with a community college in Southern California. I will have more details soon when that is solidified, but we are doing it. So this is the back to school town hall Mm -hmm. um, supply drive Uh, under that umbrella. We also have a parent uh, and guardian teachers and educators and students panel. So three different panels uh, to just give Mm -hmm. them the space to talk about how they feel about going back to school, whether it's in person, hybrid or they're sticking with virtual, um, but like how they feel, like, let's talk about it. Not everybody had a great time. Uh, Mm. We're all ears. How can we help? We're giving uh, people the space for that. Um, And last but not least, my favorite part of this, uh, which really kind of circles back to touching all the lives across the nation, we have a uh, adopt a classroom campaign going on. So we're going to be adopting 10 classrooms across the nation all those teachers. And what do you do in the adoption? What what does that entail? So it will be $300 worth of classroom essentials um, and mm-hmm. any other in kind. If people have books they want to donate to these classrooms, come bring it down. Um, but yeah, we, we're just giving um, as much as we can to 10 classrooms uh, that will be like hand sanitizers, tissues. I've been surveying so many teachers and finding out how much money they are spending out of pocket every year. Someone said they spend $2,000 each year. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Because we also know historically, especially K through 12, teachers are not making these great salaries. So for them to be spending all this money out of pocket just for their their classrooms to be great, uh, my heart goes out to them. So we we definitely want to help any way we can. Uh, by doing that. 10 is a small number, but it's my lucky number. So I, as, as many as we can is really where I'm at. So I'm excited for that. My birth number. So I, I like the number 10 too. <laughs> oh, mine too. May 10th. What is yours? October 5th. Perfect. Yeah, the 10th month. So, it's like your numbers and mine are inverted. <laughs> it is. It's kindred spirits. Kindred spirits. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so speaking of October, we have our second annual gala then. Um, so super excited for that. That's going to be most likely in person. I don't know if I'm at liberty to tell everybody, but yes, it'll be in person. <laughs> oh, okay. No, let me know when that's going to happen. And I'll put a shout out on the podcast. October 16th. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're already, you yeah. send me that. You got to send yeah, me I'll, Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you all that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, October 16th, our second annual. So it's going to have music. Uh, we're going to have some great speakers within the arts and STEM fields. Uh, so that's science, technology, engineering, and math. But yeah, I am super excited to just kind of celebrate. And during uh, the gala, we have a couple awards for professionals who have made a great impact in the community. So we have a humanitarian award and a benevolence award. Going. And what does the Benevolence Award? I mean, I know what a humanitarian <laughs> award, but what is a Benevolence Award? So how I have kind of uh, positioned them is that the humanitarian is that like generally you do great things for your community. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Benevolence Award is someone who has really stepped up and really impacted the Ash Academy. Someone who had, did not need to, was not a part of the team and just showed up for us. Mm-hmm. that's really uh because you know if you're supporting us doing all this community work then we have to say thank you in that way 
I already have my winners. I will not share it on here, but no, I'm super excited to surprise them. I, I like to like pretend we're going to do a podcast interview or like, uh, hey, can I just jump on a Zoom with you? Um, and then record their reaction to <laughs> finding out. Okay, now you let it out. So now that if you if you call a Zoom meeting and they're not supposed to be, they're going to be. never know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't have them listen to your podcast because they'll know. Oh, no, I'll share it out. He's like, oh, check this out. <laughs> the other thing is we're going to be giving out our, our scholarships for the first time this year. Last year, we did community impact um, students, just like tablets and hotspots. Um, but this mm -hmm. year will be our first scholarship. So I'm so excited to see like- Is it growth. a scholarship for a particular school or from a certain, I mean, it's coming from Ash Academy, but what is the scholarship for? It, it is a dollar amount that is for, I believe we've broken it down to two students that are pursuing arts degrees, two students mm -hmm. who are pursuing STEM degrees. And then one was a trade school. So it could be from either the arts or STEM. That's more of a, think of it as a conservatory or um, trade within STEM that doesn't require a four-year degree, but you can go into your career after getting the, getting that. So I want to make a wraparound. Are you still writing music? Have yes, you written anything? Yes, I am i am always jotting down notes um and funny thing is that i'll end up like jotting random notes here and there i have a, a long running like notepad on my phone that i'm like okay remember this melody with these lyrics <laughs> okay jot it down all right and then i'll wake up the next morning and be like what was the melody again <laughs> so, oh i used to <laughs> sing into my phone because I had like, I don't care if I change the lyrics, but I'm doing the melody and my phone. Mm -hmm. And for, for some reason, I the chorus always came to me first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the funny thing is, because I have writing partners and then I have um, like music musicians uh, who all collaborate for producing. Mm -hmm. They'll be only for the music. And then I'm getting the melody out with these lyrics. And then randomly, I'll be like, okay, these five different random notes that I put together are a song. So I'll be like, okay, copy and paste, put in this new one. Um, and it'll all flow out. So yeah, I've got a few friends who may or may not have some of my tracks uh, just in waiting on their upcoming uh, music releases, but I love it. And it's one of those things where like your passions will show up in your life no matter what. So yeah. like, listen to them. Like me doing music was always just like, oh, I wish I did music. And I was like, well, just do it. And I, every time I ask one of my musician friends, hey, let's let's get a session going. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Talk back yeah, to those doubts. Talk back to them. And, and that's so therapeutic because I was getting myself upset today for no reason. OK, absolutely no reason. <laughs> I kept thinking about something that happened and it pissed me off to be blunt about it. We all do it, even us. People that love to think positive and work on, we work on it all the time. I also find that there's peace and creativity in asking yourself those important, those introspective questions that, and that's what it is, is an introspective question. Why am I feeling this way? And I think the why is very important. Absolutely. What do you want and why? Mm -hmm. Check in with yourself. Ask that. If, and if you don't have a good answer, you need you go back to the drawing board, figure it out. I don't know about you, but one of the things I used to do, because in my head, I could keep spinning with ideas or you can do this. No, you can't. No, you can do this. <laughs> you know, that back and forth. 
I find that writing down your pros and cons, hmm. and sometimes you really think, you know, you really want the pros to win, but sometimes when you write it down, you see that it really isn't worth it. The cons really won out, even though I might have won. Or sometimes you do a pro and con because you really don't want to do it, but you see how it's going to benefit you and the, and the pros won. So there's really more that you can gain. And sometimes seeing it on paper makes us, it, it clarifies absolutely what our thoughts are. I'm a very visual person. So that would be helpful, uh, especially if I'm making like a major life de- decision to weigh it out, look at it, read it back. Yeah. And then crossing out some of those cons, like if I really want to do it. <laughs> Just- <laughs> but you know, have you ever done a pros and cons, but your gut is so strongly going against what you listed, like taking a job or something, you know, I'm just giving an example. Absolutely. I am so into intuition, mm-hmm. spirit guiding me and spirit yeah. doesn't have to be explicitly religious. Just like when I, I, I have a, a moniker for myself, oh, primo and pastor. Uh, it's not, it's not a religious thing. It just, it's, it's, it's my own little thing, but I mm-hmm. very much so am, am guided by spirit and my own feelings, like if something does not feel right, it is a flat out no. Yeah. And even what's funny is like, I'm an impatient person and I'm very skeptical, but I'm very warm. So people don't know that like, I've already said no, I'll like listen and wait <laughs> people out and like, okay, I'll hear you out. Okay. The answer is no, but thank you so much for giving your sales pitch. If the spirit is saying no, it is it's yeah. a cold no. Like I will not carry on business. No business. And it's ideas. that gut feeling. Yes, absolutely. That, that gut feeling. I mean, you have police that go by gut feelings. You have. We just call it different things depending on our belief system. Mm-hmm. I call it spirit too, yeah. because it's my inner core. It's what I feel. My soul came here to learn, mm-hmm. and it's warning me. I don't yes. have the time. I don't know why it's saying don't do it, but it does. If it's really coming from my core that I know it says, don't do it, I won't do it. But if it's me humming and hoeing, sometimes that's just fear of change. So how to distinguish the fear of change from your soul? And how I could tell it is if my gut is just like in knots, that's me saying I need to say no. But if it's me like... Absolutely. And I have discernment on other people too. So like, if I have a bad feeling about something you're about to do, I'm just like, you know, Sonia, I don't, I'm like, I'm getting a bad feeling. I may not tell you, but I like the whole time, like something's <laughs> like not working out. I was like, I had a feeling I was being respectful by not telling you, but like the well, you whole know time what? I, I could feel it. <laughs> I've done that with someone. And of course, I'm not very good at keeping this to myself. So I just said, I'll start asking questions. Well, why do you feel that way? Do you think, are you doing it because you think you should do it? Or are you, I start asking questions. I don't want to tell them that I have a bad feeling because who knows? It might be my story I'm throwing at them. Yes. It might not be what their journey is. And I don't want to influence that journey. So I ask questions. Now, sometimes people get annoyed because like, why are you asking me so many questions? <laughs> <laughs> so I get real quiet. I'll just let, let them do it. I was like, well, I could have told you that. Um, I did not have a good feeling the whole time you were going through that. <laughs> no, but you have to, a lot of times you have to let them go through their journey. Yes. We cannot protect people from everything. You can't. You, you have to let them fly. And I've seen parents with their kids that way. Mm-hmm. They don't let them fly because it's like they're protecting them because they love their children. They just don't want anything to harm. But 
That's not life. When they get older, they're going to have to go into that world. And you just took away all the lessons they could have had to protect themselves. I am as emotionally intelligent as I am because of all the moments where someone else has said something bad and someone else is like, okay, take notes this whole time. Or like my own failures, like I'm like, okay, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, and that's why I said earlier, like, I don't want people to completely not fail ever again, or like get everything handed to them so that they never have an issue like that's not going to be good for them either because then you start getting into well i didn't know all right i i didn't know there was a consequence it's like no there's always a consequence i want you to see those consequences for your your decisions and there's been many beautiful situations out of falling down and failures i definitely don't want anyone to feel like we were as i said earlier like uh i want people to fail less but not taking completely that out of their life of failures. Like failures are necessary. Like there's so many lessons that you learn that are important. So I want you to see the consequences in your decisions, like for better or worse, as long as you're surviving it. Like I don't want anything bad to happen to anyone and their failures, but still like there's been so many beautiful moments of where I either I felt stuck or I was failing and I was figuring things out, building it up from the, the ground up where I'm like, okay, at least I know what that feels like and I can mm-hmm. catch myself before I fall or I'm heading to fall the next time. Having that knee-jerk reaction to be like, okay, it's happening again. Let's not do that is a blessing. So I, I definitely want people to be able to have the, that type of intuition or spirit being able to pick up on things as they're happening. But I just don't want everyone to fail as much as I have. That's, that's it. It's like, that's, yeah, that's and it. You know, and I don't know if you've experienced this as a mentor because I have, and I take responsibility in this too. They become too dependent on you for mm. advice, too dependent, afraid to make a move because what you helped them with before changed their life. They might or gave them that huge aha moment. I find that's a hard balance because you don't know. You don't know until they do seem to become dependent on you. So what do you do in a situation like that? Because you have a whole academy that deals with that. I am so glad you asked that. I am a master of a redirect. Um, If I start picking up on the fact that you rely on my opinion too much, I'm like, whoa, this is not my decision. This Mm -hmm. is your decision. This is your life. How you feel in this moment, how your opinion, what you want is all that matters. Now I can give you some input and some insight, but don't ever feel the need to like, everything has to go through me because I have a completely different outlook on life than you at whatever year you are in your life. And I don't need to make sure that you're doing things as I would from my, my lens, because I don't have all the answers. I'm offering guidance. I'm not offering you every answer. That's, that's really what it is at the end of the day. You got to put it back on people. <laughs> had a, like, say, but I'm afraid. I'm like, well, we're all afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't you still have to do it? I could advise you, like you said, so that you don't have so much pain in your life. Mm-hmm. If you have to learn a lesson, no matter how much you rely on somebody, no matter how much advice you go or if you need to experience something, it's going to be experienced. Absolutely. And hopefully you have your life well enough where you're smart enough and have the emotional intelligence to protect yourself and to move on. Because we're all going to go through experiences. That's going to happen. Absolutely. Yep. 
And at the end of the day, we all are not going to be here forever. So if you rely so much on my energy being here in the physical, there's going to be a day that I get called to the next stratosphere, whatever you experience that as or believe that to be. But like, there'll be a moment where I'm no longer available to speak in person and have these sonic waves that you could hear. And I'm still on this planet with you. So like, I want you to be okay while I'm here. And then in the event that this is our last conversation, that you're going to be okay after that. You you feel, I guess, uh, that I've advocated enough for you that you will be all right. And that's all that I could ask for that. Whether it's one conversation or numerous conversations that after you've spoken to me, you feel like you can handle things and manage things better. What would you like to say as a closing to the audience? This is a very heavy thing to just (laughs) throw at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a closing. So I have time. (laughs) Take your time. I would just say that what I've been put here for and what I truly believe is that everyone has their own purpose. And I really just want to help people get there and figure that out, give as much guidance, uh, help people who aren't great at those social skills too, because I wasn't always there. So I, I completely acknowledge the fact that everything is a journey. So I, I'm literally here to help you with your journey wherever you are. So that's that's where I'll leave it. That's beautiful. Thank you. And how can people reach you or if they want to donate to the Ash Academy? How how do they get a hold of you? All right. So if you want to talk to the Ash Academy, that's at the Ash Academy, T-H-E-A-S-H-E Academy everywhere. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all, all the places. Our website is www theashacademy.org. If you want to donate, we would much appreciate it. So that's uh, theashacademy.org slash donate. Pretty easy. Come on. Uh, (laughs) That's how you get in contact. Now, if you would like to talk to me specifically Mm -hmm. on Instagram, I am at uh, it's cousin Sammy. I'm not everyone's cousin, but please reach out to me uh, (laughs) if you would like to start a cousin relationship. And then Samuel uh, J. Ash, uh, most no, on Twitter. Um, so yeah, uh, you can tweet me at Samuel J. Ash. Uh, so I, I, so Samuel J. Ash, I, I on Twitter. And you can find me, uh, Samuel J. Ash, uh, the second uh, on LinkedIn as well. My inbox is always open unless it's a sales pitch. I cannot be sold to. That's the only thing. <laughs> but if you want to start a conversation, you just want to pick my brain on anything. I am very open to answering any of those questions. So happy to do so. Thank you so much for being on the show. And sharing your knowledge and how humble you are. I really think you're like a little earth angel that came to help a community. So many blessings. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at poeticresurrection.com for the latest information and updates.